Today we're going to talk about our favorite subject, the rules of salvation. Okay, no one likes talking about the rules, obviously. But the, as the infamous Ben Bross once said to a bunch of crazy little preschool kids, if you lose the rules, you lose the game. And over Christmas, I had a great experience. I had a, one of my friends came to visit me from seminary. We went to my brother's house with his family, and we did there what we do every single time we go. We played Mexican train. It was a very special night because the entire night I got to watch my brother getting angrier and angrier, and for once, I wasn't the cause of it. And he was getting super mad because we've been playing Mexican train forever, but my friend is an expert at the game, so he knows the rules. And every once in a while, he would say, no, this is wrong. And my brother would say, no, you're wrong. This is how we've always done it. And then my friend would respond, let's check the rule book. And he'd pull it up right there. Then my brother would see that his way of playing the game was actually contradicting the objective rules. And then he'd get really, really angry. It was a great night. But that event manifests a very deep truth that you can't play a game together if you're not all playing according to the same rules, right? You lose the rules, the game falls apart. So the question is, and it's maybe the most important question, are we all playing according to the same rules of God's game of salvation? Because I think what gets people really upset sometimes is when they hear a rule that before they weren't playing by, right? And even more in our age, there's a misconception, it's a very serious misconception, that Christ took away the rules, that we no longer have to follow rules in order to win the game, which stands in absolute contradiction to what we just read from Jesus Christ in today's gospel. He didn't take the rules away. He actually took them to a much higher level. Actually, this is even done physically because Moses gave the law at the bottom of a mountain, right? Where did Christ just give the law? The top of a mountain. And he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not get into heaven. So it's no longer just about committing adultery, but even looking at a woman with lust can jeopardize our soul. It's no longer killing somebody, but even unforgiveness and hatred for someone else can jeopardize my salvation. So Jesus didn't take away the law. He actually called us to a deeper level of fulfillment of it. And to really exemplify that fact, I thought I'd share with you a sort of troubling experience I had the other day when I went to confession. Sometimes I share confession stories. Most of the time, it's not my own confessions that I tell you about, but this was a, a unique experience, and I want you to know that if you're surprised by anything that I have to say today, just know that after 10 years of studying to be a priest and two years of priesthood, I still get shocked myself, and I realize I'm not playing the game as I'm supposed to, and I have to change to work at that. So I went to confession to a priest, and basically, I was telling him about one of the things of the very immodest environment that I, go, I have to work out in when I go to the gym. Things that come up on the television, 
the way a lot of the females are dressed in there, and the fact that there's mirrors everywhere, hard to escape this. Well, the priest said to me, basically, I really have your attention right now. I have no idea why, by the way. You've never been so plugged in before. I don't know. I'll just start talking about my confessions every week. This will be much easier. The priest basically told me, though, he goes, I can't give you absolution unless you're willing to not go back there. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I've been going to the gym for 15 years and no priest has ever told me that before. Granted, it was always a private gym in like seminary and whatnot or in high school. But my first response was, that's not a rule. And he looked at me and he said, look, man, you're, you're a young man. You're called to deep celibacy and purity. You're a priest. And you're going multiple times into a place where you're going to be tempted to lust in your heart against a woman. How can you keep going back there and then tell me that you're going to avoid the near occasion of sin? I had nothing I could say. I just said, I love going to the gym. And he said, look, man, if your right hand causes you to sin, you've got to be willing to cut it off. I just, can I have absolution now? I'll go. I'll think about this. I was really troubled, to say the least. So I, I went home, and every Monday I always look at the readings for the next week just to see what's going on let it percolate. I wanted to get my mind off of things, so after working out in my house, I open up uh, the Gospels for this coming week, and what do I find? He who looks at a woman with, adult, with lust commits adultery in his heart, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. This is terrible. <laughs> I want to make one pointer, though. Go, the gym is not intrinsically evil. So that, that, know that for yourselves. But there's certain circumstances for individuals where it becomes a near occasion of sin. So what I have to do now, until Easter, I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to cancel my membership, working out at home, and I'm going to pray on this and go about it. Because the point is, if this is something that's going to hinder my salvation and the souls entrusted to my care, that's the most important thing to me. And I have to be willing to cut off even what I most love if that's what it's going to take. As Catholics, we do have strict rules. We have strict moral norms. But if anyone ever asks you why that is, just give them one reason. We're playing the game of salvation according to God's rules and not our own. Period. That's it. Everything that we teach as a Catholic Church is based on Scripture, and it's based on how that has been interpreted for the last 2,000 years of our Church without change. And when we come into a conflict with something that we say, I don't like that, we always have two choices. I can cheat, or I can convert myself. Try to get around the rule, or say, okay, I guess i got to change some things in my life. And with that said, I have to say something about Protestantism. Not to bully on them, but of our historical circumstances, I think every single one of us, 90% of my extended family, Protestants. Immediate family, I have Protestants. We grow up in, surrounded by Protestants, and so sometimes their ideology about salvation, their rules of the game, can get filtered into our church, which is a different game. Okay? A Protestant is someone who protests against the rules of the game of salvation that have been passed down over the past 2,000 years in the Catholic Church. It doesn't matter if you're 50% Catholic and 50% Protestant, 
or 99% Catholic and 1% Protestant. To be a Protestant means I'm not fully Catholic. I'm not living in line with everything the Catholic Church teaches and preaches. Right? So this is part of the problem is because Luther, what he did, essentially, he changed the rules of the game in a way that was never seen in the 1,500 years before he came up. And he said, you don't have to follow all the rules, basically. And when he did that, when he put his interpretation above the Catholic Church, what he did was he rejected an objective guidebook, an objective moral norm for how we need to play the game of salvation as been handed down by our mothers and fathers through the history of our church. That's exactly why there's 40,000 Protestant denominations today and only one Catholic church. Because once one person can say, I get to make my own rules, every single person who follows him will say, well, if you can make your own rules, I can make my own rules too. And then each denomination of Protestantism is a different rule set of how to play the game. That's why there's so many of them. They're all playing according to different rules. We as Catholics, we're all playing the same game because we're all saying we're following the same rules together. Make sense? All right. And the biggest error of the Protestants is that they separate faith from the rule book, faith from action. So they said, I can still have faith and break the rules and still win the game in the end. The problem is that's completely contrary to what Jesus Christ says in the Gospels, especially what we just read, right? And that's what the game comes, that's what it all comes down to. Salvation. The four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. All of us will die. And when we die, we will all undergo a judgment. And that judgment will be based upon Scripture and tradition. All the laws, the rules that have been handed down to us through our church. And based upon how I conform myself to those laws, I will go to heaven or I will go to hell. I will win or I will lose. And that's why the rules matter because so much. Because the stakes are eternal. And if that's not true, and you've got to think about this other option, if that is not true, then there's no consequences. And if there are no consequences, why follow rules at all? If everyone is saved, What's the point of the rules? That's why a lot of people don't come to church anymore. You lose the rules, you lose the game. And that's why it's so important for every one of us to ask, am I playing by Christ's rules or by my own rules? And that's why it's really important for a priest, if he truly loves his people, if he cares about them, to tell them the rules of the game. If the rules don't matter, the worst thing I could do, the most evil thing a priest could do, is tell you rules that will only make you worry about your life and sorrowful and depressed and afraid. It's the worst thing I could do. But if, if the consequences are eternal, 
then the most loving and compassionate thing I could ever do if I really care about you is tell you the rules that can save your soul. That's why I really hated that priest for about an hour or two when he told me that in the confession. But ever since then, I've only grown to love more and more because I'm realizing he might have just saved me from a big trap. That's why I want to take one moment to talk to you about the nature of mortal sin. Because mortal sin essentially means that I lose the game. Being in a state of grace means I die and I win the game. All of life is avoiding mortal sin and staying in a state of grace. That's how you lose and that's how you win. Some people ask me often, you know, why, do I, why should I go to confession? What should I confess? How often should I go to confession? It's a really good question. The first thing I tell you, do not take my word on it. I'm just one priest. Do not take my word. Anything I say, you look it up in the catechism. You look it up, what is the church always taught? It's not about what I have to say. It's about what Christ himself handed down to us. So the nature of mortal sin is that when we commit a mortal sin, it separates us from God. We do not have divine life within us. And if we die in a state of mortal sin, that's what hell is. It's eternal separation from God. So it's important to know what mortal sins are so we can be sure to avoid them and go to confession if we need to. Number one, it must be grave matter. So the Ten Commandments, it all comes back to the Ten Commandments that God gave us. Missing Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation is a mortal sin because it's a breaking of the Third Commandment. It's always been understood that way. Rejecting the moral teachings of the Catholic Church, mortally sinful. Pornography, impurity with myself, dressing very modestly, all of those mortally sinful. This is a hard one, and I understand that, and anyone wants to talk to me, I'm always, I'll try to be available. Contraceptives, mortally sinful, artificial birth control, of course abortion, living together outside of marriage or having relationships before marriage, mortally sinful. And the Protestants, we were always one on this until the sexual revolution. And that's when they break off, broke off of this. Not because the scriptures changed, but because there was such a cry from the culture that they fell. Catholics have not fallen on this. Stealing, lying, refusing forgiveness, or excessive use of drugs and alcohol, these are all things that need to be brought to confession. Meaning we must receive absolution before receiving the Holy Eucharist. Everything comes down to the moment we receive the body and blood of Christ in Holy Communion. This is what St. Paul was speaking about when he wrote to the Corinthians, who were doing many of these things and still receiving Holy Communion. Whoever therefore, he says, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Therefore, examine yourself, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, without discerning what it is, eat and drink judgment, condemnation upon themselves. And this is the most important 
rule of Catholicism. To receive Holy Communion without examining myself, to make sure that I'm in a state of grace worthy to receive Him, that I don't have any mortal sin on my heart, or without, or without discerning the body, without truly believing that this is Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist, not a symbol, not just a memorial, not a piece of bread, but Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. To receive Holy Communion without those two things is, is the greatest act of sacrilege that we can do. And I think the reason it's such a big rule, and I've studied this to try to understand it myself, is because it's cheating. It's a lie. Because communion manifests that I'm in communion with God, and I'm in communion with all the teachings of the Catholic Church. So if I receive communion when really in my heart that's not true, I'm not being honest. And it leads to an attitude of presumption. Presumption meaning I can break the rules and still be in communion with God, and it's okay. Well, that's not what Jesus taught us. Unfortunately, and I tell you this for one reason, I want every single one of us here to win the game of salvation. And the biggest thing that Christ asks of His priests, God asks of His priests, you shepherd my people. You don't care about yourself. You don't protect yourself. Even if it gets you crucified, you tell them the truth that can save their souls. So that's why we're so united. Your, my salvation depends on you. And because I care about that, I gotta tell you the truth. But what you do with that is up to you. You're free. God will never violate your freedom. I will never violate your freedom. You're free to say yes or no. That's what the first reading, Sirach. If you choose, you can keep the commandments and they will save you. If you trust in God, you too shall live. He has set before you fire and water. To whichever you choose, stretch forth your hand. Before you is life and death, good and evil. Whichever you choose shall be given you. As we, came, as we gaze upon the body of Christ and give our assenting amen, let us take heed of his final exhortation to us all in today's gospel. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one.